Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in 1 Thessalonians. Now I am reading out of the Amplified Bible. And we are ready to read chapter 2. Now chapter 2, it looks like Paul is going to talk some about his ministry and get into some other things. So we're we're just going to start at the beginning of chapter 2 like we always do. For you know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you has not been ineffective, fruitless, or in vain. But after we had already suffered and been outrageously treated in Philippi, now, you might remember in Philippi he was, you know, he was thrown in prison, and anyway, and you can, you can read, you can read about that in Acts, that they were thrown in prison, and how they were, uh, um, I was going to say escaped. That's not exactly the right word because really the Lord kind of freed them. I, I'm going to say that this really all through God's power that they were freed. Um, and so you might remember that about the Philippian jailer. If you don't, then go read Acts and read about that. But, um, okay, so he says, But after we had already suffered and been outrageously treated in Philippi, as you know... Yet in the strength of our God, we summon the courage to proclaim boldly to you the good news of God regarding salvation and um, amid great opposition. So, you know, they came to them even though there was a lot of opposition. They still came to them and proclaimed the word of God to them. They still preached salvation. And the opposition appeared to be that there was some anti either anti-Christian or anti-Jew or both <laughs> uh, what does atmosphere or um, society type of thing. They just were not, they were just not overly welcome. That's probably the best way to put it. For our appeal does not come from delusion or impure motives, nor is it motivated by deceit. Our message is complete, accurate, and based on the truth. It does not change. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel that tells the good news of salvation through Christ, through faith in Christ, so we speak not as if we were trying to please people to gain power and popularity, but to please God who examines our hearts, expecting our best. For as you well know, we never came with words of flattery, nor with a pretext for greed, God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory and honor from people, neither from you nor from anyone else. Though as apostles of Christ, we had the power to assert our authority, but we behaved gently when we were among you, like a devoted mother tenderly caring for her own children. Having such a deep affection for you, we were delighted to share with you not only God's good news, but also our own lives, because you had become so very dear to us. So here Paul is talking about his ministry to them when they came to them. They came to them telling them the truth. Their motives were pure. Their motives were to spread the gospel. Their motives were not to uh, make money, um, not to increase any like power or standing in society that they would possibly get. Though I don't know of any such thing that people got from preaching the gospel back then, I imagine back then they were probably looked at kind of like they were a little crazy, you know, or or just unwelcome, like maybe they were just rabble-rousers or something like that, you know. So, 
he's just saying that their their reason for coming and preaching the gospel was was correct. It was pure. It was to please God, not to please men. Though of course they were hoping to save souls. Of course that was that's part of the thing. But uh, God had been in God had entrusted him with this ministry to go and do these things, and they were doing it to please God. <clears throat> they were not doing it to make money, and they did not flatter them or try to butter them up in any way. They just came and taught the truth to them. Now, I'm not sure about the authority thing. We never, you know, uh, they didn't seek, of course, they didn't seek glory and honor from people. Um... I'm not sure about the authority thing. I'm not sure if I understand exactly. Though as apostles of Christ, we had the power to assert our authority. I guess they could have been bossy. <laughs> you know, they could have been bossy to them or bossy with them or, you know, demanded and demanding and acting a different way. But, but instead, I see, but instead, because he says, but, but we behaved gently. So, but instead of being bossy and trying to boss them around, they... You know, he, Paul, and his and his guys who was with him, they instead, you know, acted tenderly toward them, treating them nicely, and teaching them and correcting them in a in a nice, gentle manner. Which, if you think about it, that's how we should be doing. That's how we should do when we, if we even think we need to correct someone, which, you know, I would be very careful to make sure I didn't have that plank in my eye before I went and bothered someone about, some little speck that they have. Um, but if we did <clears throat> truly need to speak to someone about maybe correcting something, if uh, if they're doing something that seems, <clears throat> pardon me, that is wrong, you know, um, you know, we need we do need to approach them in a spirit of love and speak to them kindly and gently, and um, you know, explain to them scripturally. In a nice way, saying, you know, this is this is where we see this in the Bible, and this is the scriptures, and you know, I I don't believe we're supposed to be doing that because the scriptures say this, and I, you know, you know, but but talk to them, and I and maybe I'm too wishy-washy, but I just mean you know, approach them and talk to them, and then get their feedback on on whatever it is. It could be. That what you think you see isn't what you see, and it could be that they are not doing anything wrong, or it could be that if you go to them and show them that and explain it to them, they'll go, oh, well, I did not know or understand that, and they will change. But, you know, maybe not. Some people are resistant. If they are, then you can just ask them, well, you know, just think about it, and, you know, because you, you don't, there's no need coming at someone harshly and, and, you know, it's different if they're doing something that's blatant, obvious, and they know is wrong. We all know certain things are wrong, you know, and I can't give you a great example, but just like if someone, if you knew for certain somebody was stealing, say, you know for certain they're stealing, and we know this is just wrong, and even they know it's wrong, and you go to them and you say, that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, don't be doing that, and they, and they say, well, I'm going to continue to do it. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to continue to do it. And there's other things, probably better examples, like maybe maybe a cheating spouse, you know, and they just say, well, no, I'm going to continue to do it, and, you know. Well, you know, even though they know it's wrong, well, then you have a different problem, and, and then you have to take other measures and other steps and, and really speak 
really speak to them a lot more and try to try to help them work that out. But but that is a different issue. Most of the times, I think when you go to someone and talk to them about something, you'll either find that what you think you see is not what you're seeing, or you'll find that uh, they just didn't know, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, then okay, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to be different." And and that's you know. I think for most of us, that's perfectly fine. I always want to know if I'm doing something that's wrong. So, all right. And so he talks, uh, Paul talks about being that way, you know, treating them tenderly and and then having a, a deep affection for them. And they were delighted to share with them God's God's word, God's news, the good news. So, okay, we're going to move on. Verse 9, for you remember, believers, our labor and hardship. We worked night and day practicing our trade in order to be a, uh, in order, I'm sorry, let me, let me start that again. You remember believers, our labor and hardship. We worked night and day practicing our trade in order not to be a financial burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel of God to you. Now, I'm not sure what Paul's trade was. Um, I've seen, Indications and things said that he was some sort of trader, and I mean T-R-A-D-E-R, a trader of goods or a kind of a merchant, but I have no idea. Um, and unless unless the Bible says more somewhere else, um, I don't remember. Now, it could be that in Acts it says, and I have forgotten. Sorry, I'm, that happens. Um, because it's it's not super important what his trade was, but just the fact that he mentions that he and I think Barnabas both had a trade that they did to support themselves when they were out on the, the ministry road. So they weren't a burden to the congregations, though they would receive and accept gifts from some congregations, though. But nonetheless. So um, he continues on. You are witnesses, and so is God, how unworldly and just and blameless was our behavior toward you who believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you, just as a father does in dealing with his own children, guiding you to lives to live lives of honor, moral courage, and personal integrity, worthy of the God who saves you, and calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So they were there, and they were exhorting and encouraging and imploring. They were trying to get them to live godly lives. They were, they were teaching them to live godly lives <clears throat> and to have integrity and to have lives worthy of God who, who saves us and brings us to his kingdom. Which spiritually we are in his kingdom, just a reminder we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we are, um, we are spiritually in the kingdom of heaven, even if we are not physically there at this moment. Okay, and we also thank God continually for this, that when you received the word of God concerning salvation, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. So the word of God, you know, they welcomed the word of God. 
and you know not merely as ideas of men not like they were just saying hey you know you know do this do that and you know they weren't just they they accepted it as the word of god and and paul mentions that it is effectually at work in them who believe so the word of god when we when we accept it and believe in it and we we study it and take that into our hearts and we try to live by that it is at work in us with the holy spirit to you know help guide us and remind us of what we should be doing how we should be doing you know to help uh, to help us get through our i look at it as helping us get through our day in in a correct manner in a godly manner though there's more to it than just that but but to remind us of good godly things and to help us uh, kind of ruminate on God's word and you know that kind of helps you sink get it sunk into you and it means more and it becomes a part of you and then you just kind of and then sometimes you know you'll find over time that you just that's the way you are are acting you're just you know you've trained you train yourself that's it you you gradually train yourself to follow God's word and to act correctly and that's that's a part of that. Okay, going to continue on, verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, because you too suffered the same kind of persecution from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord and the prophets and harassed and drove us out and they continue to be highly displeasing to God and to show themselves hostile hostile to all people, forbidding us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. So he's saying that these people also suffered persecution from their own countrymen. And he's making that comparison to the church in the churches in Judea who were also receiving persecution because Christians, you know, they were really Jewish and they did not necessarily agree with or believe in the new the new Christians, the Jewish Christians. So, <clears throat> so as always, they fill up to the brim the measure of their sins allotted to them by God. But God's wrath has come upon them at last, completely and forever. <clears throat> so, So in Judea, <clears throat> they were harassing and restricting the Christians, and they didn't want them speaking to the Gentiles. And it sounds like the same thing was happening in Thessalonica. Maybe their countrymen, their people, were also against the Christian movement, and they did not want them, you know, converting other people. And I guess that's one thing about Christianity versus some other religions. We are naturally supposed to convert other people not through any force of uh, uh, you know not through any physical force or force of will or anything like that but just through the teaching of God's word and those who are willing to hear and listen you know and and are willing to change and come to that you know to come to that realization then those we convert so but some people are offended by that they don't like they don't, they, I don't know. Somehow they take offense at that. I, I, I would find a hard way to describe that as 
because I look at it in two ways. As a believer, I don't see anything wrong with it. Of course, it's what we're supposed to do. But if I take for a moment, if I take a step back and say, okay, I don't believe. Let's just pretend for a moment that I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God or any of this. Or I believe in something else, whatever it is, whatever that might be. Why would I care? I don't see why I would care what other people believe. I don't see why I would be opposed to other people believing whatever they want to believe. Because I am, I, and that may, part of my problem may be that I, I've always believed in the idea of freedom and that people should be free to believe and, and, and do what they want. Now, <clears throat> so I, if I was a non-believer, I don't see why I would mind other people believing or what they believed in. So, you know, my, my problem with what people believe as far as not believing in Jesus is that I, I worry that I worry that they're going to experience that second death, that they're going to, uh, you know, be away from God forever. And in eternity, they will not be in heaven. They will instead, you know, they will experience that second death and be eternally separated from God. So I don't think of it as in a bad way. I'm not trying to be mean to anyone, but would like to see all men, just like God would, like to see all men saved, you know. All right. So anyway, we're going to continue on with verse 17. But since we were taken away from you believers for a little while in person, but not in heart, we endeavored with great longing to see you face to face. For we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again wanted to come, but Satan hindered us. For who is the object of our hope or joy or our victor's wreath of triumphant celebration when we stand in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming, is it not you? For you are indeed our glory and our joy. Now, Paul is basically associating them <clears throat> with being, you know, a part of his wreath of victory in service to the Lord. You know, he considers them like a, a medal that they, or an award and, and representative of his good work. That's really what you come down to it. I guess that's where I'm heading. He considers them a representation, you know, of his good work for the Lord, his service to God. So he's part of their reward, you know, part of his, you know, part of what he will have to claim or show when he stands before God you know, he can at least say, you know, I, I helped these people. I talked to these people. I, I helped convert some of these people. I did these things in your name. You know, he's kind of looking at them as being a part of his, not in a braggy way, but just that, that his, that's his service to God is to do these things. And so he looks at these things, each of these things as, as um, little victories and little things that he has done that uh, would be considered a good thing he has done for the Lord. I don't know if I'm expressing this correctly. You know, we have little accomplishments in life. We have things we do every day. I, I work a project at work, and I, you know, I finish this project, and I move on and I do the next project. And, you know, I have these accomplishments. I finish these projects. And kind of, not to, not to belittle this or make it sound worldly, but just kind of in his service to God, 
he has all these little projects or congregations, all these people that he's converted or he's taught and he spoke to and he's maybe he's taught them some things, corrected them on some things, etc. And those are his accomplishments, his, his little projects that he's done in service to the Lord. And so he considers them a part of his, his victor's wreath of hope or joy when he stands in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord says, you know, well, what have, what have you done? What have you been doing? You know, what did you accomplish? You know, so just an idea. I, I don't really think about, I don't really think about it like this. But I see what he's saying, and maybe maybe we should think about it more like that, that in service to God, what are we doing? What have we accomplished? I will tell you that I feel, um, I don't know how most people feel, I feel like I fall woefully, woefully, woefully short of anybody you read about in the Bible. <laughs> so, um, I, I do not compare or stand up to any of these people. But that's, you know that's life that's okay we just we do what we can and uh and we continue to try to work for the lord in whatever capacity we can so that's that's all any of us can do so that is first thessalonians chapter two and uh in this you know paul uh is not again not really i think he's more reminding them of how he was and again, still kind of praising them. Um, so I don't, you know, there's nothing negative here. He's just reminding them of how he came to them and talked to them and, and set a good example and how they, following his example, are also following the example of the Lord. Since they didn't have the written word like we do now. Now it's easier for us. So, all right. Again, that's First Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to thank you for listening. The Lord bless you and keep you safe from all harm. And remember, God loves you.